Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Thank you for joining us again for this week's Alabama AgCast. This is Jacob Davis, Executive Director of the Alabama Peanut Producers Association. Today's topic is alphatoxin and its effect on the peanut industry. Today's guest is Dr. Marshall Lamb, Research Leader and Location Coordinator of the USDA National Peanut Research Lab in Dawson, Georgia. Well, Marshall, to start this conversation, Tell us exactly what is aflatoxin. Well, exactly said. Aflatoxins are toxic secondary metabolites, which are small molecular weight compounds that are produced by Aspergillus flavus and Aspergillus parasiticus. And aflavus and aparasiticus, as we uh, shorten the term on them, They're basically plant pathogens or moles that reside naturally in soils all over the world. And the term aflatoxin is actually derived from the name of Aspergillus flavus, where they took the A from Aspergillus and the FLA from flavus and then added the word toxin at the end. How widely does it occur, Marshall? Uh, Aflatoxins occur naturally all over the world. Um, It is not specific to just the U.S. and certainly not specific to just peanuts. And pre-harvest aflatoxin contamination of peanuts is basically associated or primarily associated with late season drought conditions that as the peanuts begin to dehydrate in the soil under hot dry conditions, um, the moisture in the peanuts actually starts to drop. So it's hard to say how widely it occurs because it can often be very site-specific depending on rainfall. And plus, proper irrigation will prevent aflatoxin contamination. Well, speaking of rainfall, um, your observations between the 2019 crop and 2020 crop, what was the difference in those two growing seasons? Well, that's a good question. The 2019 and the 2020 crop were very differing years with respect to aflatoxin. In 2019, a really strong high-pressure system developed in August that basically blocked all of the rainfall in late August and September in the southeast United States. And it also was accompanied by very high daytime and nighttime temperatures. And this created these the hot, dry conditions, which led to aflatoxin contamination. Conversely, in 2020, we had really good rainfall rainfall patterns with no extended late-season drought, and this crop has relatively low aflatoxin. So it's all about the weather, but in addition to that, utilizing proper drying and storage techniques, we can prevent aflatoxin. Well, earlier you mentioned other crops. Uh, Exactly what other crops does aflatoxin impact? Oh, a lot of crops. It it occurs in many of the staple crops produced around the world, like peanuts, but also corn, sorghum, pearl millet, chilies, pistachios, cassava, figs, 
spices, tree nuts, and and a lot of others. And it can even be found in milk from animals fed with contaminated feed. Well, that's certainly some interesting information. I found it interesting that aflatoxin impacts multiple crops, but how does it specifically impact the peanut industry? Well, it basically impacts all segments of our industry, from starting with producers, where in the 2019 crop, Dr. Tim Brenneman with the University of Georgia showed how A. flavus impacted seed quality, which impacted us going into the 2020 crop planting. And then at Bind Point, they encounter a lot of additional handling cost. And then on to shellers, and they bear most of the cost due to additional processing cost and product loss. And then manufacturers also incur product loss and sometimes even have to landfill peanuts that don't make spec. And certainly our export markets are affected as well. Well, I know aflatoxin uh, occurs at different levels. So what are some of the established tolerance levels in crops? Well, in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration has established a level, action level, of 20 parts per billion for total aflatoxins in human food. But the U.S. peanut industry has self-imposed lower levels than the FDA level, and most manufacturers in the U.S. have levels that are at five parts per billion, so significant level. So the peanut industry does an excellent job at staying, staying well below the FDA standards. And in the export side, a lot of countries have even lower tolerances. For example, the European Union allowance is only two parts per billion for aflatoxin B1 and four parts per billion for total aflatoxins. So what kind of uh, impact economically does aflatoxin have on the peanut industry, both on domestic and export? Well, the economic impacts have been in our industry for decades. Um, we published a study that focused on 1993 through 96, and the cost of aflatoxin averaged about $26 million per year, or $28 per planted acre. And then in more recent times, looking at 2010 through 2019, aflatoxin cost has averaged $56 million a year, or $41 an acre. And as we mentioned earlier, the 2019 crop was the most devastating year in our history where we had an estimated cost of around $117 million in the United States, or roughly $84 per acre. And we do want to make it clear that the peanut industry shoulders all of these costs to ensure that the quality of U.S. peanuts is always maintained but it is placing enormous financial strains on the industry each year. This has been an issue for the industry for a long time. I know that research on this issue spans several years. So just how long has aflatoxin plagued the industry? The aflatoxin has plagued our industry since the mid-1960s, and it began in the 60s with the discovery of aflatoxin, and this came immediately after an outbreak of a disease in turkeys called the turkey X disease. And what happened was about 100,000 turkey poults died just outside of London, England, 
due to peanut meal that was contaminated by aflatoxin that was sent to England from Brazil. Well, you're in the business of research, Marshall, at your facility there in Dawson. So what is some of the older research that's been conducted on this issue? Well, the the older research always focused on segregation of peanuts by quality, such that we were removing good peanuts from contaminated peanuts. And the majority of it was done with implementing advanced cleaning systems at buying points to remove high-risk kernels. And then we moved, we kept the screening techniques, but we started doing chemical testing on incoming farmer stock peanuts for aflatoxin. And this allowed us to separate good edible quality peanuts in warehousing from those that had suspected aflatoxin. And then once in the shelling plant, some of the older research, uh, we adopted high-speed electronic color sorters that would further remove suspect kernels from non-suspect kernels. And then finally, we would end up with blanching, which simply was the removal of the peanut skin from the kernels, which improved the accuracy of the electronic color sorters. But all of these methods are very expensive. So what about new research that's being conducted on aflatoxin? Well, there's a lot of new research that started and even being proposed. Um, And some of the newer research focuses on genetic and molecular advances, and those are showing a lot of promise. And I'm really excited to see where the near future takes us in those areas. And also, some higher-tech segregation methods are being developed as well, which can benefit us at the buying points as well, uh, in addition. Others include using RNAi technologies, where they're showing significant reductions. And this approach is commonly used now in the medical fields for such ailments as macular degeneration and others. And this approach basically silences the genes in the aflavus mold. So it's all it does is just prevent it from triggering the genes in the mold that would secrete toxins. Other ones include new lines that are showing drought tolerance, which not only would save us water and irrigation costs in an irrigated field, but they're showing reductions in aflatoxin as well. But in addition to that, our geneticists have actually identified aflatoxin-resistant lines, and they are working to incorporate them into their breeding programs to hopefully, hopefully expedite future releases that will have very low levels of aflatoxin. But I do want to add, Jacob, to this, that none of this research deals with genetic modification. All of it is within the peanut genome, and the peanut industry nor our customers want GMO peanuts. So this is all non-GMO. Well, that's good news. And I understand that Congressman Sanford Bishop of Georgia's 2nd District led the charge to secure money to expand aflatoxin research in peanuts. Tell us a little about how that increased funding will make an impact. Well, we are very thankful to Congressman Bishop for leading this charge. We're thankful for the industry that supported it and all the also the other members of Congress that supported it. 
what this will allow us to do, Jacob, is to expedite some of these new research projects and some of our ongoing projects that will have an impact. We just need to widen the scope of them a little bit and be able to move a little faster in the research, and this this funding will definitely help us. I also understand that a committee has been established from all industry sectors to address aflatoxin issues in peanuts. So why is this an important step? Well, the task force, the aflatoxin task force, represents a renewed commitment to eliminating aflatoxin. We're looking to do this through a very consolidated and coordinated approach across all of our industry segments and all of our research disciplines with the final goal of ultimately eliminating aflatoxin in U.S. peanuts. And this task force shows a commitment to a long-term approach to get this job done, which is something we haven't had in the past. All right. So regarding the aflatoxin research that has been conducted, what are some of the more interesting findings that have been discovered? Well, one of the more interesting findings is that not all aflavus are toxic. We, the research community, has identified several strains of non-toxigenic aflavus, and we were actually able to use these strains to exclude the toxic strains from getting to the plants. And this term is called biocompetitive exclusion, and it is used to reduce aflatoxin in many crops, uh, right now, cotton being one example. And also, another interesting finding is where we're seeing that Aspergillus has high genetic diversity, which allows us to do further studies in the future to find out some of the genetic linkages that we can use to further uh, reduce aflatoxin. Well, Marshall, we certainly appreciate the work you and your team at USDA National Peanut Research Lab are doing to solve this critical issue for the peanut industry. We wish you much success. Thank you as well. Thank you for joining us for this week's AgCast. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. And now, your weekly Ag Cash Wrap Up. Hey, this is Hunter McBrayer, Director of the Bee and Honey Division at the Alabama Farmers Federation. I wanted to give you the buzz on the 26th annual Alabama Beekeeping Symposium put on by the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. We're happy to announce that the meeting has moved to a virtual format, hopefully to allow more people to learn about beekeeping and all the things around keeping bees that will hopefully make you more money. Please join the Alabama Cooperative Extension System's staff February 6th and 7th to hear from speakers from all over the country. We're going to be talking about everything from products from the hive to hive maintenance. We also have three people from the Bee Informed Partnership to help talk about keeping your bees healthy. For more information, be sure to check out the Extension website in the show notes. Registration is $20 and open now. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. 
For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.